continuing a series entitled Defining Choices. Everybody say Defining Choices. Say it again. Say Defining Choices. Defining Choices. Now, Aristotle said we are what we repeatedly do. So we form habits in our lives, and then our habits form us. So whether it's good or bad, whatever it is that we consistently do day in and day out, it's who we become. And so we have focused on a new series talking about some choices that if we'll focus on, it can have a radical impact in our lives for 2017. Some defining choices. How many know not every choice is as important as important choices? Like some choices don't really matter, but there are some important choices, some defining choices that if I'll get those things right, it will have a profound impact on my life. Last week, we talked about surrender over control. How many have been practicing surrender? It ain't easy. But how many know as we let go of the things we try to control, it allows God to be on the throne of our life. And so if you missed it last week, I encourage you to go back, download it, watch it on the app, listen to it on iTunes. It's an amazing message talking about choosing to surrender versus control everything. Now today, we're actually going to talk about choosing discipline over regret. Choosing discipline over regret in our lives. Now, I hate to be the one to tell you, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're going to experience pain in your life. And all the adults are nodding their head. Yeah, you know, you got your child. They're like, oh, it's all roses and fairy tales. Like, no, no, you're going to experience pain in your life. Every person experiences pain. Now, I can hear somebody saying, well, pastor, that's not very positive. No, I'm positive that you're going to experience pain in your life. I mean, in, and really a lot of the pain we experience, it's not really your fault, right? There are accidents that happen, things that you didn't do, but it's just an accident this week. Phyllis was driving in Brazos Town Center. How many know that is a cray-cray place? Yeah, all the construction. And she said, Jim, you'd be so proud of me. I said, well, she said, there was a car just pulled out right in, in front of me, about to sideswipe me. And she said, I did my defensive drive. And she had to take defensive driving. I won't tell you why, but she did. And she said, bam! And she, she moved out of the way. And, and, and so it was an accident waiting to happen. It wasn't her fault, but accidents happen. She didn't get in a wreck, and I'm very proud of her, thankful. But we know this, that bad things happen. We, we know that sometimes loved ones, people that you love, they betray you. There's nothing you can do. They, they, they end up hurting your heart because they do something they shouldn't do. There's nothing you can do about that. Pain happens. Maybe you lose your job because your company downsizes. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just the economy. And, and so now you're out there looking for another job. And we know this, that there are bad things that happen, that you experience pain. Maybe you've got kids and your p kids went and picked up a stray dog. Or in my case, a rabbit. And now I've got the pain of a rabbit eating all of my books and our power cords. How many know that's some real pain? We experience pain in our life. And actually, the book of John talks about pain that we experience. Look at what John 16, 33 says. It says, in this world, you will have, everybody say it together, trouble. trouble. Boy, that don't sound like love, joy, peace, all the good things. No, 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 no. Isn't it funny? He says, no, listen, in this life, you're going to have trouble. It's coming your way. Now, maybe, might, hopefully, some people. No, you will have trouble. But I love what it says, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. 
who Jesus has overcome the world. So I know this, that Jesus is greater than my trouble. That if I lose my job and there's downsides, Jesus is greater than my trouble. If a loved one betrays me, Jesus is greater than my trouble. If my kids get a pet rabbit, Jesus is greater than my rabbit. <laughs> and all the money I spend on power cords, it's, the struggle is real. Like we know that there is hope and there is confidence and it really is in Jesus. Now here's the flip side. Some trouble you don't go looking for, it looks for you. But there is a part of pain that we experience in our life that we have control over. In other words, we can choose our pain. I get the choice of choosing what the pain is. So you can choose the pain of obeying your parents. All my young people, can I get a whoop whoop? Or you could choose the pain of consequences of disobedience. And all the parents said, amen. amen. We still spank in my house. <laughs> She's like, they still spank the 21st century. They said, you can choose the pain of studying for that test that you don't want to study. Or you could choose the pain of retaking the class because you failed. I mean, no, there's pain that you get to choose. You can choose to say no and the pain of saying no to temptation as hard as it is, or you can choose the pain of addiction because you didn't learn how to say no. You choose the pain in your life. You can choose the pain of living within your means, not spending more than you make, or you can choose the pain of trying to climb out of debt. You choose the choice is yours. And so there's moments in our life where we get to choose the pain that we experience. And so I choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. Can I get an amen? That's what we're here to say, that in 2017, I'm going to choose the pain of discipline as hard as it is, as tough as it is, as much as I don't want it, because I don't want to get to the end of my life and now be struggling through the pain of regret. I wish I would have. I wish I could have. I wish I should. All the regrets of my life happened because we didn't embrace the pain of discipline. Here's our working definition of discipline this morning. Discipline is choosing between what you want most now or what you want now versus what you want most. It's, the, it's, it's choosing, okay, what is it that I want now over what it is that I want most? So, so I've got to choose between, that's discipline. Listen, what do I want most? Because that's the choice that I have to make. And society teaches us to take the easy road, the shortcut. I'm going to choose the easy way now. I want something more, but it's too hard. I don't want to wait. I'm going to choose what I want now over what I want most. Look at the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Now, I don't know about you, but if there's anybody who is spiritual, who has a spiritual edge about their life, it would be the Apostle Paul. So I don't know if you know this, but Paul actually wrote over a third of the New Testament. This guy is a spiritual giant. He has an encounter with Jesus. He is a super apostle. This man is spiritual. He knows God's word. He knows the, the Bible. He knows God himself in a powerful way, so much so that God uses him to write what we read today in our Bible in the New Testament. Now, I don't know about you, but if there's anybody that has got it all together, how many would think Apostle Paul has it all together? I'm like, bro, but this is what I love. I, this ought to give you great comfort. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Look at what he says in Romans 7, 15. He said, I don't really understand myself. Anybody don't understand yourself? You're like, your spouse is trying to figure you out. You're like, listen, I'm just trying to figure me out. 
<laughs> like, you, you don't get it. You know, I, I don't really understand myself. Now, look at what he says. Here's the wrestling. For what I want to do, I, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. How many do what you hate? Like, you know what's right, but you keep falling back into the old pattern, the old thing. You're like, man, I don't want to do that. Well, you're in good company. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. Anybody felt like you can't? Am I the only one that's like, man, I can't do it. I can't. And, and, and we've got a saying at the Kyle's family. We say, Kyle's can. Everybody say, Kyle's can. Kyle. You've been adopted to the family. You can. Say, I'm a Kyle's. <laughs> Kyle's can. Well, why do we teach it? Because, listen, through Jesus, we can. Then look at verse 19. It says, I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what it is that's wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody ever, you, you feel schizophrenic? You know what's right, you do what's wrong, and you feel this conflict? Hey, man, you are in great company. The apostle Paul, he tells us about this struggle, that he could be the most spiritual person in the world, but every one of us have a struggle on the inside. Then look at what he says. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Just miserable. Why? Because there's this wrestling on the inside. Then he says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And so on the inside of us, there's this pull to sin and death on the inside. Every one of us have it. That's my, my statement about how the world pulls us away from God. There's a natural pull away. Why? Because we had a sin nature on the inside of us. And so we know what it's like to fall into the traps. And so just because you're saved, the tragedy is for you to think, well, he's going to take it all away. No, now you've got to change your thinking. Now you've got to get in small groups. Now you've got to get engaged with his plan. Why? So that our life is different. It's not dominated by the old self. And then I love what he says in verse 25. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank God the answer is in Jesus I keep messing up. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I don't know about you. When I mess up, I get embarrassed. I get ashamed. I don't, I don't want anybody to know my faults. I want everybody to see the Instagram life. You know what I'm talking about. Ain't nobody posting ugly pictures on Instagram. And if they are, they're going to crop it out to where you just see the beautiful mess. And we get this mentality like, oh, their life is perfect. No, everybody's got hurts. Everybody's got habits. Everybody's got hangups. Why don't we just realize we're all in a hospital? Some people just check themselves into the hospital before you. We're all just a little messed up, a little cray-cray. And, and so here he's saying, listen, the answer is Jesus. It's not a better version of you. It's not a better version, more discipline. I don't know about you, but there is no better version of me. I need Jesus on the inside. It's not about trying to get it all together. I know that when I get Jesus and more of him, which is why we love the 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's not because we're trying to be spiritual or holy. It's saying, God, I need you. God, I'm dependent on you. I've got to spend time with you. Why? Because I'm a beautiful mess. I, I wrestle with this internal wrestling of I want to do good things, but I don't do good things. God, I need your help to choose discipline over regrets. I'm going to choose what I want most over what I want now. We see a progression in Paul's life in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24. He uses great imagery and a metaphor of running a race. Look at what he says. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? 
but only one person gets the prize. I love what Paul says here. So he says, run to win, run to win. And in a society where everybody's a winner, can I tell you, not everybody's a winner. There are people that work hard, people that are disciplined, people that go out and refine their skills. There are winners and losers. And Paul acknowledges this. Listen, we're all saved. It's all great. But as a Christian, I don't want to just be saved. I want to get to the end of my life saying I've ran it in such a way that I'm going to win. Run to win. Then he goes on, he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it for a prize that fades away, but we do it for an eternal prize. What we've got to know is there is something on the inside that says, i got to run to win. I'm not going to be like the world, become apathetic. And in this moment, he would have been talking about the Asminian Games, which the Corinthians were very engaged with. It would have been like the Olympics. So they had all these athletes that would train for 10 months. They would isolate themselves and they wouldn't drink wine. They wouldn't eat junk food. They would endure extreme weather, extreme heat, extreme cold. And then they would line up and this big day would happen. The race would take place. And so he would have been acknowledging this race and say, look, these guys run. They're disciplined. They train. They work hard. They deny themselves the things that they love. Why? So that they can earn a prize that fades away. But as Christians, as believers, there's a prize that will never fade away. And for us to acknowledge that it's going to take discipline, work and structure. I choose discipline over regret. And this morning, there's, there's a couple of questions that are going to help us in 2017. Choose discipline over regret. And it's, the first one is this. If you're taking notes, write it down. What do you want most? What do you want most? See, if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. And people say, well, I just don't want to be disappointed. No, baby, get your hopes up. It's a brand new year. It's January. God wants us to sit in, in such a way that, God, I got big hopes. I got big dreams. I got big goals. God, that you would advance your kingdom. You know, we got goals for this church. God, would you just keep expanding? Look around. God, would you just keep growing this in such a way that people's lives are impacted? Personally, I've got goals. The question is, what is it that you want most in your life? God, what are the goals that you placed on the inside of me? See, some of us, maybe it's the goal of God, I want to be close to you. That's a great goal. Maybe it's, I want to lose 20 pounds. It doesn't do us any good. If, if we don't gain control over our weight and our health, you're never going to make it to fulfill the purpose God had for you. It's a great goal. Maybe it's to improve your marriage. God, what do I want most in 2017? What bullseye am I aiming at? Maybe it's to be free from the addiction that nobody knows you're bound to. Maybe it's to get out of debt. God, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe it's to get an education. You want to go back to school or you're in school and you want to finish school. God, I'm going to aim towards this goal. I'm going to, maybe it's raise godly children. I think that's one of the greatest priorities that we as parents have. You're never going to be able to remove your kids out of the world. What we have to do so we got to raise godly kids that have character and integrity that when the world comes knocking on their door, they can say, no, nah, I don't need that. i got the real thing, baby. That's an imitation. How do we do it? We focus our lives on raising godly children. So what do you want most? And here's your second question. What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? What do you got to choose now? 
So if it's being close to God, I would encourage you to, to pick up a one-year Bible. Start reading your Bible every single day. What, what is the one thing? What, what do I need to do now? Maybe it's to come to 21 days of prayer with us at the Leadership Academy at 6 a.m. and say, that's awfully early. Yeah, but this year, I got to get close to God. I need accountability. I need people to pray with me. This is something I'm going to focus on this year. Maybe it's just to commit to come to church faithfully every week. Maybe it's to get on the dream team. Maybe it's to get in a small group which launches next week. Some of you say, well, I want to get closer to God. Great. We've got small groups that are focused around Bible studies so that you can learn more about God. But you've got to decide, what is the thing i got to focus on so that I can get what I want most? I promise you this, you know, even small groups have talking about it. Every single thing that's on the list that we could want, almost everything could revolve around a small group. You want to lose 20 pounds? We have fitness small groups. Isn't it important for us that when we've got fitness goals, we got people that love us, that encourage us, that hold us accountable? Oh, and they pray over you and say scriptures over you. You can stand on God's word. Why? Because we choose to focus on something with a community of believers. We're not just a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. Like, this is just our big party. Surprise! Party! Like, I thought this was church. No, 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 no. No, church happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we just come together. That, that's the challenge of churches today, in my opinion. If, if we're not careful, is we say church is a place, church is a building. Can I tell you, you are the church. Wherever you go, you bring Jesus with you. And that's the value of the small groups. You want a healthy marriage? Listen, you need to read some marriage books. Maybe read the book Five Love Language by Gary Chapman. Say, hey, we're going to learn how to give love and we're going to learn how to receive love. And maybe it's going on a date night. If you're married, you've got to go on a date night. I know when we launched this church four years ago, Phyllis and I, we stopped taking our date nights. And we start to argue, not that anybody ever has any passionate conversations, start to have some passion conversations. And, and what we realize is, hey, baby, there's a deficit in this relationship. we got to make the relationship a priority. There's some of you right now, you could pray for your marriage, you could fast for your marriage, but if you don't spend time, practical things with your spouse, your marriage ain't going to get better. So what's the one thing? What, what, what am I going to do? If you're an, an addict, if there's an addiction on the inside, we have life small groups living in freedom every day, talking about, God, how do I live in the, the tree of life, not in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that there are people that love you? I'm here to tell you there are people that love you in the midst of your mess. You don't have to clean yourself up. That's why I hate religion. Religion says get dressed up, get cleaned up, go get it all in line. Then you come find Jesus. I find it like this. Jesus went and found sinners. He sat with sinners. He loved sinners. And when he met with them and touched their life, their life changed. So it's in that the church, that Jesus, you touch my life. I don't have to be perfect. I just need more of you. And in that, you change me. So what is it that you want most? You got to acknowledge, what is my goal? What, what I want most? And then you got to make a quality decision. I'm going to do now whatever helps me achieve what it is that I want most in my life. So this is it. Choose your pain. The pain of discipline or the pain of Regret. Now, Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. Look, he continues. He said, so I run with purpose in every step. 
I'm not just shadow boxing. What does that mean? I'm not just going through the motions. It's not just some random thing I'm doing. No, no, I got purpose in every step. And then he says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Isn't it interesting? He's spiritual, but he's a physical part of it. It's not just praying. There's discipline in the natural. I've got to discipline my body. I've got to walk into my spiritual journey realizing it ain't just going to happen spontaneously, that it's going to take work and it's going to take effort. I run with purpose in every step. And I just love that purpose in every step. And I, I hear people, oh, but you're a pastor. You know, someone say, you're so disciplined. You're so disciplined. I mean, no, I, I, can I just tell you a secret? <laughs> Phyllis, why are you laughing? <laughs> this is my wife laughing. What this is, the, the truth is, I am the most undisciplined person you will ever meet. I promise you, you're like, oh, I'm sitting up on this one. The most undisciplined person you'll ever meet. I mean, for me, that's why I created this whole slogan that I say, this whole statement that I say, man, I say it just about every day. I'm a disciplined man full of character and integrity focused on God. Why? Because I'm so undisciplined. Listen, why would I say I'm a disciplined? Because I love chocolate chip muffins. I do. You bring them up, I'll probably break my fast. Don't be bringing me no chocolate chip muffins. I mean, I, I just have a propensity for sweets and chocolate. Listen, I love movies. Anybody love movies? I can sit around and lay on the couch like the best of every person. Oh, no, no. We could watch all the reruns. Why? Because I, So I got to say, I'm a disciplined man full of character and integrity focused on God. Why? Because I'm not disciplined in myself. Jesus, I need you. God, I'm being tempted in this area to be lazy and lethargic, to not live a life based on discipline. But God, I ask you right now, give me your power. Give me your strength. Give me everything that I need to live the life that you've called me. Live. Listen, I, you can say you're a great parent. There are days, I don't know about you, how many hate to hear your kids fight? I mean, there's days I don't want to go in there. I don't want to referee. Just give them boxing gloves. Say, hey, whoever wins, wins. <laughs> Just tell me who wins, and that's good. We, we'll, I mean, that, that, <laughs> right? I mean, you're not alone. Somebody like, Pastor, I did that last week. I want to borrow your boxing gloves. I'm undisciplined in my life. There is no Superman. Listen, long before I was your pastor, I was a man. I'm a person. I'm a man now. I'm a person now. I need God's faith, his grace, and his discipline and power in my life. Every area. It's why I have accountability. Why? Because I need it. It's why I have structure. Why? Because I need it. It's why I have people ask me tough questions. Why? Because, Alex, I need them to ask me tough questions. Sometimes we think that, oh, they're super spiritual. They don't struggle like me. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Every person struggles, but we choose discipline over regrets. Got to make right choices. <laughs> Say you own your own home and, you know, you've got a goal to have this nice, beautiful, plush green yard out in the front. And you realize if I step out of my house, you know, if I'm going to have this nice yard, I can't really walk across the grass. I'm going to have to go over here down the sidewalk and stay off the grass. And so for you in this house, you started parking your car on the street because there's nowhere else to park your car because you got 27 cars in your parking lot. And you say, listen, my goal is to have a beautiful, lush, green yard. You walk out and you say, I want to get to my car. 
The easiest way to get to my car is to walk across this grass. Now, I know the right thing to do is to walk down the sidewalk, up the driveway, and then go onto the street. That's the best way. Why? Because my goal is to have a beautiful green yard. However, you step out of your house. You're in a hurry. You look across the yard. You see your car. The shortest distance to your car is right through that beautiful grass. So you make a decision. What's your decision? I'm going to walk right across that grass. It ain't going to matter. I'm in a hurry. Come on, somebody. You live in a hurry. You're like, I'm just going to walk across the grass. It's not a big deal. So you do it. You look back. There's no real mess to the grass. Your grass is still fine. No damage. It's all good. You think, okay, that's great. Next day, you step out of your house again, and you're in a hurry again. And you look at the sidewalk, you're like, yeah, I could go around the sidewalk, up the driveway, or I could go down the road to the car. That's a great way to do it. It would preserve the grass. But no, that's not what you do. You decide, I'm going to cut through the grass today again. Why? Because it didn't hurt anything yesterday. My grass still looking fine. It looks better than theirs. You go across the yard. You do this over and over again. What psychologists say is you begin to create new neural pathways in your brain. So before long, you won't even look at the option to save the grass. Why? Because you have conditioned yourself to take shortcuts. You have conditioned yourself to take the easy road out. And now what you wanted most will never happen because you're doing what you want right now. So think about this, this is how it plays out. God, I want a relationship with you. Okay, great. You want a relationship with God, you got to spend time with him. It means you got to get up a little bit early. You can't just throw your clothes on and go to work. I like the first part of the day because I think there's a, a, a first principle that when we give God the first part, so God, I'm going to wake up 15 minutes early. I'm going to wake up 30 minutes early. You set the alarm. I want most a relationship with God. Well, you went and watched the passenger over at Cinemark and you watched the late showing. You're tired. You go to sleep. The alarm goes off and you hit snooze. Now, what you want is a relationship with God, but what you want now is some sleep. So you hit snooze and you sleep through it. Well, it's no big deal, okay? Tomorrow, you're like, man, I, I'm going to get up again. I'm going to spend time with God again. Set your alarm. The next day, you hit snooze. And the third day, you hit snooze. And the fourth, what happens is you're training your, your mind. You're saying, no, no, that, I know what I wanted most, but this is what I want now. You condition yourself. You're just walking across the grass. See, spending time with God would be going the right way. But now you said, no, I'm going to take the shortcut. I'm going to walk across the grass. Why? Because it's what I want now. It's what I want now. You can look at the same thing when it's eating, when, when it's, I want to be healthy. So the right thing to walk down the sidewalk, up the driveway to the road would be say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook food that was nutritious and actually grown on this earth. And uh, it's healthy. And I'm going to have it ready. And it's going to take some time, but I'm going to work hard. Why? Because I want to be healthy. That's the goal. And what happens is we get busy in life and, and we run out of time and I'm still hungry. And so we go down the path of least resistance. So we go to McDonald's. And you're going to die. <laughs> At least the next morning, right? Why? You go down the path of least resistance. It's, it's what you want now over what you want most. So you can look at that at any area of your life. Where is an area of your life where you really wanted something and you were going to go this other way, but you've gone down a path of least resistance so long you've retrained yourself? So here's the challenge with Christianity. We've been taking shortcuts most of our lives. 
And now Jesus has saved us. He set us free. We are disciples, Christ followers, and he wants us to take a different path. I love that discipline and disciple have the same root word. I believe it's because it takes discipline to be a disciple. And so we've got to say, God, retrain my brain. I'm going to go down a new path. Give me a new neurological pathway for me to walk in. Why? Because 2017 is not going to be like 2016. No matter good or bad, God, it's going to be a better year for me. And look, the Bible even talks about this. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Everybody say transform you. Transform you. And then look at what he says, into a new person by changing the way you think, changing your neurological pathways, changing the way you used to do it, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So the goal is God change the way we think. Give us new thoughts, new neurological pathways that we move forward with, and we face a lot of challenges against this in society. I don't know about you, but instant gratification is pretty powerful. I remember a day when there were not 24-hour uh, uh, grocery stores. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? You feel it, look, you nod, and kids are like, what are you talking about? Walmart's open all the time, 24 hours a day. See, you can want junk food. You can want those donuts and chips and, and cheese dip and all the stuff. And, and so you say, hey, we just going to make a Walmart run. I want it, why? Because I want it now. That's what instant gratification is. It's the desire to experience pleasure or fulfillment without delay or determent. That I want it now, right now. So I need a store that's open. Walmart's open all across America. God bless you if you go into Walmart at midnight. Good luck. <laughs> and then if you don't want to go into Walmart, you can go into Amazon. How I many know you can shop 24 hours a day, seven days? Oh, babe, you can sit right at your computer in your PJs and buy anything you want. An instant gratification, pleasure now. I don't want to defer late. And then Amazon, if you're a Prime member, two-day shipping. Used to take weeks. No, no, I get it. The next day, two-day shipping. It's a beautiful thing. There inside of us is being developed this instant gratification culture. I want it my way. I want it now. That's what fast food is. Listen, I don't want to have to go home and work for 45 minutes for a nutritious meal. I want you to feed it to me. And here's the funny thing about fast food. We get upset when it's six minutes. Like, I want it right now. Like, I, I'm the worst. Like, why? I'm thinking it's fast food. You had a meal presented and cooked in front. Well, I don't know if it was cooked right recently, but, but it's in front of you in five minutes or less. Instant gratification. We even have it in our amusement parks. I mean, just the entertainment. Like, I want it now. This summer, Phyllis and I, we went on a vacation. And, man, I just love San Antonio, New Braunfels. So we went to Schlitterbahn. Anybody go to Schlitterbahn? Got to love Slitterbond and so much fun. We went there and went online to buy tickets and they're about a million dollars a piece. And so we bought the tickets and kids are excited. And for us, we homeschool our kids. So it was, I mean, it's awesome. We could pick the day and pick a day where we know nobody's really going to be in the park. We're just going to go and have some fun as a family. And so we do that. We get to Slitterbond and in the morning, it's awesome. Nobody's there really throughout the whole day. There's not a whole lot of people. So we're going through the lazy river and all the different rides they had on one side. Well, then about noon and my family, a little bit later, we said, hey, we're going to go to the other side. We're going to go to this place that has the big water slides, like water coasters. And so there's this ride called Wolf Pack, the Wolf Pack. Mm. 
So my boys look up there, just point and say, that's the one, that's the one, that's the one. Now, we got a 10-year-old, we got an 8-year-old. They're like, dad, dad, that's it. Then my little girl's like, sure, they're five and four, whatever. Phyllis is like, okay, so we, the wolf pack, you can actually pull your family on. We get up there, we, we walk up about 17,000 flights of stairs. And the amazing thing is they've got these lines and we're just feeling good. We're like, bam, boom, there ain't nobody here. We're all, and so we get to the last flight of stairs. We're at the bottom of the flight of stairs. The platform's at the top, 550 feet high. It's a red diamond. So we're looking up, we're thinking, man, this is awesome. We ain't going to have to wait at all. So we're standing in line, we're watching people go up. You don't know what's happening on the platform, right? You're just looking up the stairs you're like, baby, that's it. I can, I can hear the slide. Oh, it's amazing. So we stand there. What was five minutes becomes 30 minutes. We finally make it to the top of the stairs, and we take a look around, and the lines are and I knew I was in trouble when the, the, the sign says from this point, you can expect an hour wait or more. That's good. Do you know my little kids? I mean, no, you're thinking, man. So, so we're talking, hey, do you really want to do it? Parents, you know what I'm saying? You're trying to get up. Do you really want to stand up here for an hour? Oh, it's all about you. I want you comfortable. Truth is, you don't want to stand up there. You got little babies. You, you got all these kids. And now my little girl's actually laying on the concrete. They're like, is she sick, sir? No, she's trying to cool off. <laughs> she ain't sick. She's laying there to cool off. And one of my kids said, Dad, I got to pee. I said, baby, just, just pee in your pants. <laughs> like just right there. Just, just, just let it out. <laughs> like, like right. You got to go. How many know I done stood in line for an hour? Ain't nobody move. Hey, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Phyllis, you got the water? Like you just let it dribble out, baby. We just going to sprinkle some water? <laughs> yeah, we're that kind of parents. Don't judge. Don't judge me. Stand, standing in line, and, and we began to notice out this side, you had these families just kind of coming up. And the first time I thought, it's no big deal, because you couldn't see in the stairs. But now I see they're going to the front of the line, and we're like, what in the world is this? They said, oh, yes, sir, you can buy a fast pass. A fast pass? Like, man, when I grew up, we had no fast pass. You just buy a park entrance and you stand in line. I mean, no, that's part of the experience that we get to stand in line. We get to build memories. We get to pee on the ground and not let nobody see it. And I mean, we got all these fun things that we get to do. Who uses a fast pass? We just saw that. And, and of course, it was awesome. Today, we have some fun memories. We were actually just talking about it last week. Fast pass, just, just the easy way out, this instant gratification. Can I tell you? There is no fast pass to discipline. Sometimes it's going to get a little messy. Sometimes it's going to be a little hard. You're going to feel like, man, and, and here's the challenge with life. Is you can look at everybody else and they look like they're on the fast pass, the fast track. But apart from God's word and God's will, what will happen is they're leading to destruction. And you get your eyes off of God, you're judging everybody else. Oh, well, how come they get it easy? Baby, you don't know their story. How are you going to compare your life to them? You're looking at Instagram when God looks at the reality of every decision of my life. I choose to God. I focus on you. And I realize there is no fast pass to discipline. I'm going to pay pain either in discipline or regret. What's your choice? What's your choice? 2017. What are you going to choose? Remember, it's defining choices. Defining choices. What, what, what is my decision? God, I choose to put you first. Maybe it's your family. 
God, this is a year, listen, I'm, I'm going to put my family first. God, we're going to come to church together. We're going to serve on the dream team together. We're going to get involved in small groups together. What is the choice that you've got to choose this year? What is it that you want most? Listen, it's got to be a part of God's will. Like you say, I want to be a millionaire all day long, but I don't know what God has planned for you. Do you want the money? Is it the happiness or is it the purpose? See, God ain't going to give you the millions until you got the purpose that says, God, when I get this money, I'm going to be a funnel. I just want to funnel it, funnel it. I'm just going to give it. Why? Because he cares more about you than stuff. And I'll tell you, I believe, you can believe with me, you want to pray with me. I, I felt like the Lord spoke to me before we launched this church that we were going to be a church to raise up millionaires before the age of 21. Young people that would take advantage of the world's system to advance God's kingdom. See, what you think you want, man, <laughs> it comes with lots of problems, lots of challenges. Just say, God, what is it you want me to have? Whatever it is. See, you'll never find fulfillment apart from God's will for your life anyway. And that's the challenge we see, right? People try to climb the ladder of success. They try to get all the things they thought they wanted only to find out the ladder they climbed was on the wrong building. Empty, hollow. Why? Because it was apart from God. Defining choices. Choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret.